Welcome to episode 9 of The Bomb Squad. You can find us on the interwebs at www.moviebombsquad.com. You can email us at moviebombsquad at gmail.com and search for The Bomb Squad on Facebook if you so choose. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Tonight I'll be your co-host, Yog Sothoth. And with us is Mr. Delicious. Hello, everyone. Mr. Delicious here, as always, serving up delectable, awful movies to cleanse your palate with. Tonight is practically a super show. <laughs> the, the word super is what inspired us. That doesn't seem very inspiring, but there's a hell of a lot of good super movies out there. Yes, there were. <laughs> so, as much as I pushed for Super Babies 2, Baby Geniuses, I could not find that Dude, anywhere. That, that movie is like tilting at windmills. It is impossible to find. Surprise, I guess. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> what we did decide on was that we're going to review first in this podcast, we're going to do Super Mario Brothers the live-action version with Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. And then we're going to go ahead and review Superman 4, A Quest, a quest for Peace. For peace! peace. <laughs> Before we get to that, though, there's this great sadness in the world right now about Blockbuster's recent decision to shut down all brick-and-mortar stores. Yes, sir. Sean and I both have worked at Blockbuster at some point in our lives. Did you work in Louisiana as well? No, I didn't. No. I actually worked in Portland, Oregon. A shift lead, baby. Same shift lead. <laughs> uh, they, they, they couldn't pay me enough to be a manager there. Their, their, their salaries were just awful. I was actually filled with a little bit of melancholy this morning. I got up and got uh, everybody donuts and everything. And I drove past the one blockbuster that we have here in Central Point. And I got a little bit of sadness, I'm not going to lie to you. That was the store that took out major video when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I know people kind of view them with the equal parts revulsion and wide-eyed enthusiasm, but Blockbuster introduced me to Kurosawa. I never would have probably watched one of his films if not for the foreign section that had about eight movies on the, the West Metairie Blockbuster when I was a kid, like really young. So that always kind of holds a special place in my heart. I think what happened with Blockbuster was... They got a little too greedy. I worked at the one in Scott, Louisiana, which yeah. is just, just on the outskirts of Lafayette. And within a 10-mile radius, there was another five stores, which is ridiculous. Definitely overkill. And so while I was there, I actually had to close down two of the stores, which I knew was kind of a sign of things to come. But just the way that they, they handled their business with the way they would destroy movies rather than try to recirculate them, which I always tried to do. I was a big proponent of taking kids' movies Mm-hmm. And and why don't we get in touch with children's hospitals and see if they would like copies of this? Write your office a tax refund. And instead, they're like, no, shred it, put it in yeah. a manila envelope, mark it down, and send it to corporate. Agreed. Right? I hated that as well. It was one of the most painful things to see those uh, 50 copies of whatever. Yeah, the Avengers or whatever. We're, just... we're coming off the new release shelf, and all of a sudden, oh, like, well, we're going down to four copies, so we're going to fucking shred 46 films. <laughs> it just—it's—it's so, it's so disheartening to just watch. To just watch, like I would every time I had to do it, like I just felt so bad. But even the way they close the store is so dispassionate. They kind of gather everyone together, and you've got X amount of days to get out before the lease is done. And they send you emails, and one email has all the movies that are going to go back to corporate warehouse. 
Uh-huh. The second email has all the movies that are going to transfer to another store. The third are just destroys. They don't want any record of the destroys other than they were destroyed. Wow. Which is no accountability at all. Well, I thought you were about to say they might offer some to employees or something. But, no, but, uh, I, uh, but I'm not going to lie to you. I did because we didn't have cameras that worked in the store that I worked at, or at least the one that I closed down. I'm like, there were no security cameras. I went to check. And, yeah. the, and the store manager's like, yeah, there are no security cameras here. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm going through their inventory. And I'm like, so you've got all these movies they want to destroy. And she's like, well, what we do is we have two garbage cans. If nobody wants the movie, I put it in one garbage can. And if somebody does, I put it in another one. And I was like, oh. that's better than nothing. So at least those movies are getting some rotation in place somewhere, hopefully. But just the way they handled things, you could tell this was a company that was, wasn't going anywhere fast. They had a chance to be a part of Redbox, and they turned it down numerous times, and I think that just ended up killing them. Well, yeah, I think they were definitely a little old-fashioned, didn't see the coming wave. I remember when I worked there, actually, it was in 2006 or 2005, I believe, and this was the... I was there during the rollout of Blockbuster Online. Yes. It was their big competitor with Netflix, supposedly. And the big deal was that you could take your DVDs from Blockbuster Online, return them to the brick-and-mortar store, and get credits to like rent another movie that's on the shelf. Yeah. Instead was, of having to wait for the mail. Which was at awesome. That time, which was great. Yeah. In 2006, before streaming was actually like a thing, it was pretty sweet. Yep, when streaming came around, pretty much crushed everyone. Yeah, it did. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it sucks. And I had a good time. I was there for almost two years. And, uh, and it was it was always a decent job. I just love, obviously, sitting around and talking about movies. I do have some funny stories. I'm sure you've got some funny ones. Uh, we had a girl walk in, and at that point, Saw 4 was in a release. <laughs> and so she saw the heading, and she asked me what movie was Saw IV. <laughs> Because she had never heard of it. Sure. And I didn't know what she was talking about. <laughs> and then I finally figured it out, and I was trying to explain to her that it was Saw 4. And she argued with me. And she's like, um, I'm not stupid. I know what the number 4 looks like. And that clearly says Saw IV. And I was like, well, <laughs> it's it's kind of Roman numerals. And she's like, well, this isn't Romania. Oh, my goodness. Blockbuster always catered to the, the most brilliant of partners. At that point, I was just like, uh, I'm going to go to lunch. I can't deal with this. That, that was one of my favorite stories to tell. My second favorite story was it was a customer going off on a customer. I don't know if you actually saw this happen. I'm sure you did. But if a customer was checking out, and let's say another customer behind them was on their phone or on their Bluetooth, and they would reach around them and put their movies on the counter in front of the person checking out, mm-hmm. and like this guy flipped out because you know, he's putting his PIN number in, for his debit card and this lady's like going over his back putting her movies down over him and he turned around and he he takes her movies and he hits them off the counter and he goes bitch get up off me like that <laughs> and I, I was laughing so hard like I couldn't even complete the transaction he was hold on and like he got like really quiet like eerily quiet in the store like when you're at a dinner table and mom gets mad and hits the table like that's what it felt like and it was so and I couldn't stop laughing so I couldn't even check her out but she was appalled that the guy would hit her movies. And she's like, somebody call the cops. I'm being assaulted. And I'm like, oh, wow. my gosh. Oh, yeah. So I ended up giving the guy a free rental. Not <laughs> well, the, the power of a free rental. I remember those days. <laughs> Heck, yeah, man. Let me hook you up, man. I know you had a lot of trouble. Let me give you a free old release. How about free. that? <laughs> yeah. 
Space balls on me, sir. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, man. One of the things I remember right now is that there was this company that was creating softcore porno versions of big hit movies, which at the time, Pirates of the Caribbean was one of the big films that just came out on new releases. And so they had a, a softcore porno Pirates of the Caribbean version that came out. Pirates! It might have been, yeah. Yeah, it was called it Pirates, like yeah. Two or three two or three porn actresses in it, and um, maybe one old aging rock star, I can't remember. And um, yeah, so the box art looked pretty much identical to the Johnny Depp version. And I just remember how funny it was. I never said anything to anyone, because I thought it was amusing that parents would come rent the softcore porno Pirates of the Caribbean for their kids. And it happened like that for about a month until we finally got enough complaints that corporate sent us stickers that was like said, this is not Pirates of the Caribbean with Johnny Depp or something. And we had to put it on every single box. That is so awesome. I know. It, it really was a porn called Pirates. Um, <laughs> it was the softcore version of the actual hardcore movie. So it is a real porn. What you're seeing on uh, Pirates that they carry at Blockbuster is its actual sex, but they don't show the penetration and they don't show any of the oral or the finish, obviously. <laughs> but it, it's literally, it's the exact same movie with just any genitals thrown out. So it was a real porn, man. That's awesome. Which makes it even funnier. I mean, oh, I have a, a funny story that uh, shows the ineptitude of everything. I had a truck come in and I'm doing all of my inventory. Mm -hmm. At that time, we had PS3 blockbuster combo thing. So it was a PS3 and it came with Spider-Man the video game, uh, Spider-Man the Blu-ray, and then you had a blockbuster card that gave you 12 free game rentals, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, and it was all packaged together. Well, I get all my stuff in and I've got two PS3s that are nowhere in my inventory. So I call the corporate office and I let them know everything that's going on. They're like, no, no, you have the right amount there. And so it said in my computer that I had one package and I'm staring at three boxes. And, and that's what I, that's literally what I told her. I said, ma'am, I'm staring at three. I got two in today. Yeah. They're not anywhere on my paperwork here. And they're not in the computer. They're just floating boxes. But they're full. I, I already opened them. The PS3 is in there. And no, no, no. You're only scheduled to have one. Okay. Do you want me to enter them into the inventory? Or would you like me to send them back? No, you're good. Just keep the one. <laughs> Perfect. I was like, excellent. <laughs> Hug up the yes. phone and then had little devil and angel pop up on my shoulders. <laughs> I know what I would have done right. in that situation. I would have taken them both, sold one on eBay, <laughs> and had the first generation PS3. Which it was unbelievable. Was like $600. Oh, yeah. Machine. It was it was a huge combo. I mean, it was and it was for a good price and everything. But like, I was just astonished that either she didn't believe me or maybe she was just trying to do something nice and you kept questioning it. And she's right. like, "No, asshole, just take the PS3. I sent it to you guys so that your employees could have one." She's like, "Listen, douchebag, <laughs> take the PS3." <laughs> We've got no record of it, quote unquote. Yeah. So um, that's that's it, man. Those are some some blockbuster stories. I was thinking about it. I, I hope that maybe in about 10 or 15 years, somebody ironically resurrects it as a retro place, and they fix Ooh. all of the mistakes that they this time focus on independent movies and special interest in foreign. And rather than have 70 copies of Good Luck Chuck 
that they'll have three copies of Beetlejuice, so that way you can rent it out to people. I don't know about you, man, but I'm going to have a little toast and raise my glass of orange juice to Blockbuster and uh, yep. uh, give them a hearty farewell. I've got some uh, Kraken rum mixed with ginger ale and a little bit of uh, lime juice. Very nice. It's a pretty good drink, and it's fitting toast to Blockbuster. Cheers to old Blockbuster. To old Blockbuster. From 1985 all the way to now. Yeah, dead. 2013. Rest in peace. <laughs> Almost made it 30 years. Almost, man. And um, the one reason I, I feel like I'm going to miss Blockbuster is not necessarily because of all the weird stories or things that happen in the store, but the fact that when we were trying to do this podcast and I'm looking for Super Mario Brothers and I'm looking for Superman 4, The Quest for Peace... Uh, God damn if I can't find any of them on Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Instant. Literally cannot find them anywhere to rent or buy. Yeah, yeah. And so this is what Blockbuster used to solve. This is the riddle. So, like, now I feel really sad for everybody, honestly. Like, how are you going to get these little niche movies? Uh, I don't know. I guess you use Netflix's disc service, but even that's going to go under. Yep. Netflix Instant is way outselling and out making money from the the mail service so they're going to kill that too and then you're just going to be stuck with whatever some corporate guys think is what you should watch oh that'll be fun all right so first movie super mario brothers 3 or no sorry super mario brothers the movie i was like good lord did you find two sequels (laughs) i sure did super mario brothers stars john leguizamo as luigi mario he has a last name in this movie he was an orphan child, and he finds Princess Daisy. It takes place in New York. There are Brooklyn. two plumbers. Bob Hoskins is his plumber father. If you could find, like, two people who are less Italian than these guys to play Italians. <laughs> a British and a Cuban. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, supposedly they meet Daisy, who's doing an archaeological dig. It, the story's just batshit crazy. It has nothing to do with the games whatsoever. In fact, the director, the husband and wife director that came in and did Mario Brothers, first thing they did was they threw out the script that had to do anything with the video game, and they made this thing up about uh, how dinosaur, a uh, giant meteorite hit, and then the dimensions between humans and dinosaurs split, and there's actually an alternate dimension uh, where dinosaurs live. Yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy. What do you guys say about this, man? <laughs> oh, man. I definitely saw it in the theater. <laughs> really? I sure did. I, I was a huge fan of the game. Sure. And I was always a fan of Dennis Hopper because he was always really creepy. So how, now Liguizamo was kind of an unknown because the past hadn't come out yet. So how bad could this movie possibly be? <sighs> Worse than you could ever imagine. First thoughts, watching this again, I was just like, this is such a terrible movie that it's clear there's no direction on what they want to do, whether they want to make it a kid's movie or a serious movie. Uh, What a waste of a bunch of good to decent actors. I mean, there's a bunch of bit actors in it, spiking them. I mean, they've been in a ton of stuff. It's awful. This movie, it was made for $42 million. It went way over budget and over time. It has a 16% currently on RottenTomatoes.com. And honestly, I think that the anecdotes about the making of the movie are far more interesting and entertaining than the movie is. Absolutely. Even as a bad movie, this movie doesn't entertain. Um. (laughs) No, it's terrible. (laughs) I fell asleep in it, I'll be honest. (laughs) I was really trying. I was really trying. Towards the end, I had to go rewatch the end because I fell asleep the first time through. I just had no interest in it. It's 104 minutes long. It's about 64. 
three minutes too long for. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> it has no direction, like you said. The, the, there were script changes on set like two to three times every day. To where they just didn't even bother memorizing anything, really, until they got the script in their hands. Yep. The uh, directors, Annabelle Jenkel and Rocky Morton, were responsible uh, for this monstrosity. They had made this movie with Dennis Quaid called DOA in 1988, which had s- seemingly done pretty well. They were a British husband and wife team. And they also had worked on Max Headroom, the Max Headroom TV show. You know, I was a fan of, actually. I thought sure. it was pretty good. Absolutely. Yeah, this is this is going to be one of those movies where we just kind of tear apart and talk about certain scenes. Because if you get a chance to watch it, honestly, there is no flow to the script. Uh, they start off here. There's this really ominous, funny Brooklynite beginning. Um, that's really ridiculous. And then, you know, you're introduced to the plumbers. And then there's a side thing going on with the mob boss. The best thing about this movie is there is a version of it on YouTube. It has, without a doubt, the worst subtitles of all time. (laughs) I was laughing harder at the subtitles. I actually wrote down a couple of my favorites. I couldn't do... I could probably do the entire... If you just read the script from the bottom of the subtitles... They have nothing to do with what the people are actually saying 60% of the time. It is absolutely outrageous. I really think they got, like, a deaf person to do the deaf person typing for it. (laughs) It's awful. That's awesome. Yeah. If you get a chance, man, it might be worth it just to read the bottom. This movie has five taglines. Sweet. Anything is possible. You just got to believe in it. That's Uh number one. Number two, a bright, clamorous extravaganza. What? Yep. Number three, this ain't no game. It's a live action thrill ride. <laughs> Number four, this ain't no game. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one the best. Yeah. And then number five, can two plumbers save the world from going down the drain? Ha. Wah, wah. So yeah, five taglines for this movie. The only one you need to know is don't watch this shit. That's it. <laughs> big, big bold letters. Flush it. Oh my goodness. Uh, trying to figure out, pinpoint the place where it went wrong. The opening scene uh, features John Leguizamo, Bob Hoskins responding to a call about some, you know, some toilets being clogged or something. It's not bad. I mean, it's fine. Like, they seem like they have a decent chemistry, which I found out later Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo were drunk almost the whole film. Yeah, that's Because they, they knew it was going to be a shit fest. From the very beginning. And they both regretted it later. They both admitted later it was like one of the worst decisions they ever made. And then when they go to Dinotopia or wherever, they're underground in this archaeological place because they met they met the chick, Princess Daisy, and like they, they fly through the wall somehow. And, and wham, they're in the alternate dimension where dinosaurs rule the earth, but all the dinosaurs look like people. And uh, anyway, that's where it goes downhill for me. That's like... Ten minutes in, everything after that was just bullshit. It was, <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's very strange. And, like, Dennis Hopper's, he's wacky in this movie, but he, he can't, his wackiness can't save it. Like, I don't I don't know what's going on. He's taking mud baths, he's got weird fungus things on his hands that he has to put on for some reason. Yeah, um, he's descended from a T-Rex, he's... <laughs> Which I've seen scenes in the movie. Dennis Hopper actually he'll like pull all of his S's really long because he's a reptile. So every time he says the letter S, you can hear him go. S-. 
Uh, a lot of times he'll sit there with like little T-Rex arms when he's talking to people. He got really method. Really method with it, but I don't even know where to go. Really, I don't have any favorite scenes in this movie. That's part of usually our our setup. I literally have no favorite scenes in this movie. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I've got two really favorite scenes. One is when they're in the club and the Walk the Dinosaur song comes on. Oh, yeah, I, George yeah, Clinton. Yeah, that was nice. I mean, that's... <laughs> and the elevator dance. When Liguizamo uh, gets all the gets them all to dance together and they're all just kind of moving back and forth. I don't know. I thought that was kind of... A, it was a ridiculous scene, but it was... I, I'm trying to find something worthwhile about this movie, and that's the only two scenes I could think of. A song from one and the little elevator dance he does with the, uh, the Goombas or whatever. What's interesting is that... Um that elevator dance scene was filmed post this husband and wife director. Like, the husband and wife director were booted off at some point, and their second unit director actually took over in this movie. So maybe that's why that was better. Because, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, but honestly, that's it. <laughs> like I said, I found more things interesting about just the behind-the-scenes stuff. The whole thing was filmed in a giant cement factory in North Carolina. The set designer, they hired the art director from Blade Runner. Every... Thing in Dinotopia, wherever they were in that cement factory, right. was working. Everything. And all the way down to like donut shop that's in the background that was prepared to make real donuts on set. So much money was spent on the most retarded aspects of this movie. Nothing spent on script writing, but we spent a whole bunch of money on a donut shop in the back. You guys are going to feel really immersed in Dinotopia. It's going to be real. You're not going to know what you're doing there or what you're supposed to say to move the story <laughs> along, but it's going to feel real when it, when you're in it. Yeah. That's crazy. Nice. Any favorite quotes? Any? I did have one favorite quote. All right. Yeah, without it, the meteorite lays dormant. I won't be able to merge the dimensions. <laughs> you're talking about without it being a little tiny stone. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, For whatever yeah, yeah. reason comes with Daisy and, and King Koopa, Dennis Hopper's character, is searching for it wildly throughout the whole film. And, uh, yeah, he needs this tiny little piece of a meteorite that crashed on Earth long, long ago to, like, put it back into the other 99% of the meteorite that he has. For some reason, that will merge Earth and Dinotopia together again. There's, uh, there's actually a lot of quotes if you look them up on IMDb. I'm not going to go through any of them because none of them are really funny. Instead, what I'm going to do for you is I wrote down two of my favorite translations from the YouTube version that I watched. Perfect. I think that's much better. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'll am gonna read the first, what they actually said in the movie, and then I'll read what was translated at the bottom. It's when the mob boss arrives at the dig site the first time, and he goes, Who's in charge of this hole? And then the girl comes out, I'm in charge here. And he says, I'm Anthony Scarpelli. Well, the translation for this was, Who's in charge of the fall? <laughs> she said, unboxed yet. And then, he, and then he said, Britain's got talent on the poor souls. Which makes for a much more interesting movie, if you ask me. And then this one was pretty fantastic, too. He, uh, Luigi says, you know, a lot of these girls have gone missing. And the translation is, melodic, gruesome games. <laughs> and that's it. That's all it says. I can just see Lon John Leguizamo saying that. That's right. Man. So, that's that's about all I got for that. Not, but honestly, it, it's like that through the whole thing. It's just nothing close to what they're actually saying or similar. So it's worth it. it. It it's actually the only thing that kept me awake and in tune to the movie was I was looking at the bottom of the screen to see what what they were going to butcher next. <laughs> so absolutely. So 
This movie, if you're going to watch it, I say you have to watch it with the subtitles. I see no reason not or to watch it any other way. I found what's weird about this movie is that on IMDb and on YouTube, you can find lots and lots of defenders for this film. Yeah, there's a lot of articles written on it. I was astonished. And it was higher rated than Superman 4, Quest for Peace, which I found far more enjoyable in its badness than this one. Oh, a um, lot more enjoyable. I don't get it. Um, all the people that turned down roles in this, Kevin Costner, Dustin Hoffman, Danny DeVito, Michael Keaton, Arnold Schwarzenegger. The people that wound up being in this movie were the last picks, kind of. Also, I thought it was funny that this was one of John Leguizamo's first movies, and in an Entertainment Tonight piece on this film, on the opening of this film, they kept butchering his name because they didn't know who he was yet. You're right. And they kept stating, kept saying John Leguizamo. <laughs> <laughs> There's John Leguizamo now. <laughs> This awesome. is the first movie based on a video game, though, so it has the infamy of that, and I think it's tainted the whole genre since. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, do you have any drinking games for this movie? <sighs> no. Honestly, just drink through the whole damn thing. It is, without a doubt, one of the worst movies I've ever seen from top to bottom. I would recommend almost every movie we've watched so far. I would never recommend anyone watch this movie. Mm -hmm. You know, just uh, just drink and play Mario Kart instead. <laughs> <laughs> Anything. Yes. Well, I do have some. Okay, um, awesome. Oddly enough, this movie does pay homage to the video game. Even though the plot and stuff has nothing to do with it, they did insert a lot of weird things about the game in there, like the outfits, the plumber's outfits. They both are wearing, at some point in the movie, their, their respective red and green costumes. Yeah. They have... Like I said, little bombs, little walking bombs. They have tons of mushrooms all over the place. They make certain noises that are in the game, like the one-up noises played at one point, and there's a couple other noises. Opening the movie is the iconic Mario Brothers theme music. Like, and you think it's going to be good at that point, or it might be worthwhile, but no. There's some guns at the end. King Koopa, one of his biggest weapons is he devolves and evolves different things through lasers somehow. Um, he has devolution guns. They're made out of super scopes, which were the Super Nintendo light guns. Oh, um, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yep, they're all super scopes. So, like, yeah, there's, there's like, a bullet bill. There's actually a bullet that looks like a bullet bill. Um, Big Bertha is a, a giant black woman who is a reference to um, one of the characters from Overall, there's a lot of references, so anytime you see one, you can go ahead and drink. Um, That's a good yeah, one. It's fine. I mean, if you have to watch this movie, and it was weird, I went to, there's two DVD places, two brick-and-mortar video stores, thinking about Blockbuster, that still exist where I live. Orbit, DVD, and Rosebud, both of which are really cool stores, have great selection, and that's where I found these movies at. I ran it Super Mario Brothers there. And oddly enough, someone else had already rented it before me. Wow. And, yeah, I went up to the counter. I'm like, seriously? Somebody else rented Mario Brothers? And she was like, well, you know, you won it. <laughs> and I couldn't argue with that logic. That's true. Take a, take a bow, ma'am. Take a bow. <laughs> but she called me up two hours later. And like, oh, it came in. Yay. And I got it. And I regretted wow. it ever since. Okay, so our next... Uh, well, I guess we have to rate this. Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and rate this POS. You want to lead it off? Yeah, I'll lead it off. I'll do my same five, col uh, five columns, 20 points, available apiece. For plot, it gets a negative five. It doesn't make any sense, really. Acting, it does get a four. The acting's not terrible. 
Graphics, two. Uh, rewatchability, zero. There's, I'm done. And extra, four. Because I did notice, like, the one-up mushroom sound and a couple other things and the bombs and everything. So, all told, it gets a grand total of five out of a hundred. Wow. That's pretty fitting. I like that. Yeah. I, I'm totally in support of that rating. Yeah, I rated it. I'll just go ahead and say I rated it one. I only rated it. I didn't actually have any place in the movie where I put plus one, but I'm not going to give it a zero. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I gave it a five for nostalgia purposes, basically. I'm sure there's got to be something else out there that's worse than this, but this is the worst movie I've seen on the podcast so far. So Mm -hmm. if you've been listening, we've done it. Yay. Yay. Things are raining out of the ceiling, confetti and shit, because ding, ding. Worst film. <laughs> we, we have found down. We have found excrement. I didn't think it was gonna be this bad. I had no idea. I've always heard it was a bad movie, but I, I had no fucking clue how bad it was. I don't remember it being this bad. Maybe because when I watched it, I was a teenager, but I don't remember it being this bad. I think I may have had it on a VHS tape at some point in my life. I think I've watched it a couple times. Because I knew what was happening and like what was going on, but watching it now in my thirties, this is a steaming pile of excrement. And I can't wait to get on um, with <laughs> the the rest of the cast here. The next film that we are going to review and make up for this is Superman Four: A yeah. Quest for Peace, in which I was going to say Clark Kent, but in which Christopher Reeve, before his passing, uh, said that this was super personal to him because he really believed in nuclear disarmament. In fact, he helped co-write the film. Uh, (laughs) Part one made a ton of money. It had Richard Donner as a director. Part two had Richard Donner as a director for half of it, who was then replaced because he kept going over budget. Um, Also made a lot of money. Part three didn't make so much money because it got pretty damn goofballish. Part four, Warner Brothers sold the rights to one of my favorite shitty companies ever. We talked about it in our Ninja podcast, Golan Globus. Yeah. They were famous for American Ninjas and Octagon and Chuck Norris Delta Force movies. Superman uh, 4. They took over Superman. Woo! So in a quest for peace, basically the plot synopsis is that Superman wants to destroy all nuclear weapons on Earth. And Lex Luthor, being his arch-villain, gets out of prison yet again. And he knows how to create an arch-nemesis that is fitting and makes some genetic material, plants it on a nuclear missile, Superman throws it into the sun, and all of a sudden we have Solar Radiation Man, or Nuclear Man, or whatever his name is. Nuclear Man. Yes, and they they duke it out for over half the movie. Um, There's some other stuff, but it's not important. There you go. Not important at all. And first it is some thoughts? of the worst fight scenes you'll ever see, too. They really are. What are your first thoughts on this film? First thoughts. Once again, a movie I saw in the theaters. Me too, actually. Awesome. I claim that one. Definitely. Yep. I'm a huge fan of the cheesiness of the first two Supermans. I think Reeves, actually, he encompassed everything that Superman was supposed to be at the time. Mm-hmm. I think he did an awesome job. Uh, three was, of course, ridiculous. Uh, Richard Pryor, really. And then four, this is like an infomercial for the fight against nuclear warfare. This whole movie seems to me, it's like a talking point for, hey, nuclear weapons are bad, dude. Superman says so. Now eat your slice of American pie and go out and picnic with your family. It's pretty bad, but 
highly enjoyable. I agree. Half of what I wrote down about this film was the shit that makes no sense. And especially if you found yourself uh, watching this after watching Gravity, which spends hundreds of millions of dollars to get everything about space correct. Watching Superman 4 get everything about space (laughs) absolutely batshit insane incorrect. I know at this point we had people in space. So the science was there. This is not the 1880s where we thought the moon was made out of cheese and that we could probably breathe in space and fly oh, yeah. like on a Viking ship to Mars or something. No, it's not this time. But in Superman 4, I think all those myths are still true or they're still in practice because, I don't know, people are talking in space. People are breathing in space. Absolutely. No one's freezing to death as they fly around, even though they have no spacesuits on. <laughs> It's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's my first impressions, was I just enjoyed railing against the the logic of this film, which it has none. Do you have any favorite quotes? Uh, yes, I do. Um, Superman talks about the subway system. <laughs> and he very gallantly says, I'd like, to, I'd like all of the people out there to know the subway system is still the safest and most reliable means of public transportation. He just delivered it like such a like a service message. It was awesome. I tell you who I'd write a letter to that would do some good. <laughs> you know, like the kid when he's in the... Yeah, yeah oh, you, yeah. And you can't really understand what he's saying. He's like, I'd tell you who I'd write Mushmouth. a... Mushmouth, yeah. Letter to do some good. <laughs> I remember him. I'm like, I think I sold a movie to you at Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, I ain't trying to watch this foreign film. I ain't got to read and watch movies at the same time. That's who he grew up into. That's exactly who he grew up into. So those are my two favorite quotes. Also, I gave a little special uh, shout-out to Nuclear Man's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he was a that. super angry guy. Yeah, I have one of my favorite quotes from Nuclear Man and Superman. For some reason, Nuclear Man has taken a, a fondness to this new publisher, uh, played by Miro Hemingway, who, I don't know, he has the hots for maybe. And he, so he's confronting Superman, he's like... Where's the woman? <laughs> Superman, give it up. You'll never find her. Nuclear man. If you will not tell me, I will hurt people. And he begins to just fire lasers out of his hands and stuff at everything and everyone. He, he blows up a fire hydrant, which is clearly made out of styrofoam. It blows up into giant styrofoam pieces. Oh, um, yeah. It's super hilarious how cheap it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the quotes I wrote down. Oh, and my other one has to do with your PSA for the subway system. Mm-hmm. Right before uh, he says that, the, the guy on the subway train, the, the driver, has a heart attack. Lois Lane happens to be on the train. They're riding down. He hears Lois screaming with his Superman hearing, and he flies down the tube. Two minutes later, the train stops. The guy is clearly dead. I know this without a doubt. Like, medically speaking, like, if you're not at a heart attack victim within, like, a minute, there's pretty much nothing you can do. They're gone. Sure. So, he's dead. But then Superman goes into the train, touches his the back of his head briefly, which I'm not sure how you get a pulse on the back of somebody's head, and he says, he'll be all right. He just needs a doctor. And then... He goes on to give his PSA about the New York subway system to the people who are around. (laughs) And then he leaves. (laughs) Thanks, Superman. Appreciate that. I have tons of favorite scenes in this movie. I I love them all. Yes, there's a ton. We could actually spend 40 minutes talking about scenes because the moon fight is just magnificent Uh in its entirety. Uh, the slow motion of everything, the fact that he pounds him into the moon's surface. 
Um, it's That's absolutely a, astonishing. A particular favorite of mine right oh, there. Oh, yeah. Um, one of my favorite scenes is Superman is pretty nigh-indestructible. Magic, kryptonite, that's about what can do it for him. And yet, Luther is able to cut his hair. And I'm just going to cut this hair. Um, one would assume that if Superman is bulletproof, all parts of his body are bulletproof and as strong as he is. And yet, Luther's able to just cut his hair to get the DNA he needs. Well, that's yeah, it. That's, that's yeah. what's great. So this is what the movie hinges on. Luther breaks out of prison. He's like, I need Superman's DNA to make my super soldier. So he goes to the museum where they have a strand of Superman's hair carrying a 1,000-pound right. dumbbell. <laughs> a dumbbell. And right. they're showing it like, oh, my God, Superman's hair is so strong. He can lift this dumbbell. So, yeah. So Lex Luthor comes in, breaks the glass. Um, we never see any police or anything, even though an alarm goes off. So I guess he just got out, just walked out or something. Sure. He, he just snips it with, like, a little pair of wire cutters. Like, doesn't even put any effort into it. Nope. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but you know, whatever. It's Superman. You need to move the plot along, and not really worry about all the little things in between. Yeah. So that's that's another favorite scene of mine, just because that's just ridiculous. Anything with John Cryer in it, because all of a sudden John right. Cryer appears, and like, awesome. Lex Luthor's nephew, Lenny. Uh, if you okay. don't know John Cryer, he's from Two and a Half Men fame, and yes, also sir. Pretty in Pink. Yeah. Pretty in Pink. He's the he's the best friend who has the crush on her, and so that was just pretty awesome. Well, talk the, about the moon scene. My favorite thing about, it, and I wrote about this. One, the moon surface in this film, to me. Because I've been a cat owner for a long time, reminded me of a litter box. That's exactly um, what it did, yes. And so, like, Superman basically gets knocked out by Nuclear Man. Nuclear Man does four wampum hand pounds on Superman's <laughs> shoulder um, to pound him slowly into the ground like a peg on a pegboard. And to me, it reminded me of, like, a cat burying a turd yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> like the little cat powder basically like covered up Christopher Reeve's hair at the end, and of course he wakes up from it. But still, I just thought it was a really funny image. The whole awesome. fight on the moon is in slow motion too, which is really yes something that should be mentioned. It will be. <laughs> I, I'll mention it later with the drinking game. <laughs> oh, oh, nice! I saw a uh, a YouTube video about Superman for a review. I don't remember who it was, but they set the whole moon fight to that um, song. It's really good. That's awesome. <laughs> That's magnificent. Yeah. Well, here's one note I wrote. It was like Margot Kidder looks a little more like a corpse in each film that she's in. Yep. Oh, yeah, she does. <laughs> Especially in this one. The fact that she's kind of like Superman's girlfriend didn't make a lot of sense to me. Seems like she had been addicted to crystal meth or something for a while. Uh, before the filming of this guy. So, I'm sorry if you're offended, Margot Kidder. <laughs> okay, so one of my favorite scenes is in the beginning, the first four minutes. Superman's rescuing a bunch of cosmonauts because this thing's all about nuclear disarmament. You have to remember, this is the middle of the, the, the height of the Cold War right here. So he rescues these cosmonauts as a thing of goodwill from the Americans, I guess. And he brings the guy who was free-floating in space at this point, drops him off inside the little hatch, which is still open, in space. And then Superman, being able to defy all physics, speaks to him in Russian in the vacuum of space. And I don't know how sound gets produced or carried, but he doesn't matter. He's breathing clearly, too. Oh, yeah. And it's so obviously dubbed. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that it's dubbed. Oh, yeah. It makes he it even better. speak Russian. 
Come on, Christopher Reeve. But yeah, that's not the only time. Like, there's another great scene uh, where Nuclear Man and Superman are fighting for the first time, I believe it is, and they're traveling all around the world. There's constantly Uh. these scenes. They're just flying through the Grand Canyon or, like, (laughs) flying over ice-covered mountains. And, like, one time he's flying with Margot Kidder over a herd of buffalo. It's just shit that was taken straight from National Geographic Channel, and they superimposed him. Yep, Um, fighting by the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, so he goes to the Great Wall of China. And one of my favorite things about it was, one, that everyone on the Great Wall of China was white. There were no Asian people (laughs) on the Great Wall of China. It was nothing but tourists that day. (laughs) Absolutely. Not a single Asian person wants to go there. So the guy, he he blows it all up and then flies away, obviously, because he's just creating mischief. And Superman uses his power to put the entire wall back together again, block by block, within yeah. a matter of seconds. An unseen power, by the way, a power he doesn't possess. That happens a couple times. <laughs> that's not a Superman power. Like touching the back of someone said to get a pulse, that's not a Superman <laughs> power, man. It is now. It is now. Oh. <laughs> Throughout the entire film, I was just writing down, this makes no sense, this makes no sense, that's retarded. I was uh, sitting alone. Uh, <laughs> at like 12.30 at night watching this movie um, in a darkened house and everything was quiet and I just screamed at the TV are you fucking kidding me (laughs) as soon as this scene came on I almost spit out my drink I just couldn't even take it it was uh, Muriel Hemingway after Nuclear Man gets a hold of her he flies into space yes (laughs) she's struggling the whole time she's not freezing to death she didn't blow up in the atmosphere she didn't, she's, I don't know. She's perfectly fine in vacuum space, no problem. She's um, breathing. She's breathing. <laughs> and Superman, I mean, it gets crazier. It's not just a space thing. Like, Superman, in order to, to, to defeat Nuclear Man, he has to drain away his solar energy because he's solar-powered. Right. So what he decides to do for love, or not even for love because he doesn't even love this girl, he takes the moon out of orbit he grabs the moon and places it in front of where the sunlight is to make an eclipse so superman to save one person's life has basically like destroyed the entire system and all gravity that exists on earth that is awesome i don't even understand like how can you put that in a movie and just get away with it It, because he's superman and that's another new power he has it's fucking kindergarten science (laughs) <laughs> kindergartners know you can't live in space. Are you smarter than a kindergartner? <laughs> I found it's, two interesting uh, things about this film. It was originally 134 minutes, and they cut it to 90. I can't imagine what they left out, and that additional 44 minutes. The producers then considered using that footage as the groundwork for a fifth film they were going to call The New Superman, which Chris Reeve was not going to star in, but he was in talks to direct and write. Luckily, this film flopped, and the fifth movie was not made. Right. Uh, another thing, Wes Craven was set to direct this originally, wow. but it had creative differences with Christopher Reeve, who, according to a lot of people who worked with him, was a pompous ass. That'll teach you. If you're a pompous ass, you'll How be much more interesting would that movie have been if Wes Craven had directed it? Fucking awesome. Right? I mean, look what he did at Nightmare on Elm Street 3 with, like... $4 million. Seriously. I'm sure he could have done something amazing with this. What a badass Superman we would have had. What a, what, a, what a villain Nuclear Man would have been. Well, here's the thing. 
I actually saw a piece of this on YouTube. I'm not sure what you have to look up to find it. You probably could just look up deleted footage Superman or Superman 4. Some of the 30 minutes that was cut out is there was actually a second nuclear man that was created and he was like this he was like this grotesque sort of fat goofball nuclear man. Okay. And he was, like, going after the, the children. Like, there was a scene where the kid who wrote a letter to Superman is actually being saved by Superman from this fat grotesquerie. Right. Um, who reminded me a little bit of Beetlejuice, honestly. <laughs> in, in a few scenes that I saw as he's being thrown around. It was just super hammy and super weird. They cut it out, and obviously it didn't even matter. I didn't miss it. But I can't imagine this movie was a full 30 minutes longer and had that in it. That's nuts. Just goes to show you, Hollywood has no idea what it's doing. Oh, and, and I, 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 I feel like I have to do a little special ode to Nuclear Man's nails. Because uh -huh. after all the fighting they do, the one thing that finally gets to Superman is a scratch on the back of his neck. Totally. That's it. That's all it really took. I couldn't understand why he didn't keep scratching him. Seriously. So, so Nuclear Man scratches him once, which is a great scene. He cuts mm -hmm. down the Statue of Liberty, flies it around like an idiot into the middle of New York City, decides to drop it on a random street. Superman saves it, so now he's off guard. And he's trying to put the Statue of Liberty back. Nuclear Man flies up behind him and like scratches him with his Lee Press on nails. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and he becomes super sick and like old and just, just dying. Yeah. But when he finds a magic green crystal... That saves him and brings him back to his, his normal power. Yeah, they fight tons more. They fight all the time. In fact, there's the thing where he pounds him into the moon like a cat turd. That's after, you know, he he comes back. Why not just scratch him on the back yeah. of the neck again? He's already you, passed out. Yeah, you've got him, and you've got him pounded with his arms trapped in the kitty litter. Just scratch him. <laughs> scratch him like a cat. Bury the turd. Yeah, bury the turd. That's what it is. And I got to tell you, like I like thinking of that now, all I keep thinking about is if he'd have attacked him, like pounced on him like a cat, and just like swung at him with his arms. <laughs> well, that would have one scene on the moon uh, where he's like slow motion leaping towards him, like a, yes, almost like a thundercat. Oh, and apparently this guy has never appeared in another movie. Nope, but he did appear in front of the British royal family in costume at <laughs> the British opening. That's there's amazing. A, there's a picture of him like eyeballing Princess Diana in his nuclear man suit. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, this movie got a 9% on RottenTomatoes.com. I don't know if the expectations were higher because it was Superman. Sure. But uh, <laughs> I, I there's no defenders for this one. What were you saying? I said I went a little bit higher than that. So did I. So. Um, yeah, what's your drinking games before we get up? Oh yes, drinking ratings. games. I've got a few drinking games right here. We, we're probably going to intersect on it. But anytime there's a slow motion scene, go ahead and take a drink. Anytime there's, you know, mm -hmm. stuff. So you'll be drinking a lot on the moon. Number two, anytime there's a terrible blue screen special effect, i.e. his flying, the mm -hmm. same flying thing, which is another blue screen image. And number three, anytime there's an oversized prop brought into things, the Statue of the Beast <laughs> hand. That's a great one. The moon rock. Go ahead and just take a drink. Those are my three. <laughs> I love okay anytime that the laws of physics don't apply drink and you can even do it with things like the Statue of Liberty because absolutely Superman is carrying the Statue of Liberty by one concrete finger <laughs> if this and it supports really the whole weight yeah that Statue of Liberty would have cracked <laughs> broke and the rest of the statue would have fallen to the ground um, just because Superman is weightless 
does not mean that everything he carries is also weightless. Which exactly. Is this movie really gets wrong. Like when he's carrying uh, Lois Lane around, it would have been more like she would have been a dead weight hanging underneath him, you know? Oh, yeah. Of her flying side by side with him somehow. Oh, yeah. Like he that, even drops her at some point, and somehow she's just still gliding right. along. Not to mention the wind resistance or anything like that that she would have been experiencing. Wind sure. burns, absolutely, sure. Well, like any scene in space, um, you'll notice that if you're if you're watching closely, and this is what I got from watching Gravity, I really nitpicked the shit out of all this stuff. It's like you'll see like the moon rock, for instance. Even though there's like almost no gravity on the moon, like tons of dust and debris just falls down at normal gravity mm-hmm. speeds. Um, also, like cords from cosmonauts are hanging and dangling as if. Like, the cosmonaut's suspended by wires, but none of the stuff attached to him right, is right. anti-gravity at all. And so, there's tons of that stuff in this movie. It's so good. That's, uh, you took my other drinking game, though, like, where he's flying, and that's fine, because it's amazing. Yes. Like, the green screen flying thing was reused in this movie, I think it was, like, 12 or 13 times. At least, yeah. Where he's just flying towards the camera, he does the same exact hand motions, yep. and it's just put on a different background. That's it. It's so funny. So. I would also drink every time you see Gene Hackman chewing up the scenery. I've always thought his impression or version or whatever of Lex Luthor is great. I've always enjoyed it. Sure. I always thought it was just hammy enough. And like, yeah, of course a mad genius or whatever is not really going to be a proper villain for Superman in any other kind of movie. But right. in the Superman films, they're all kind of goofy. He really does relish the role, it looks like. As much as I enjoyed Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. as uh, Luther, I think that Hackman was just perfect for that time. Perfectly cast. Absolutely. And I was really sad to not see Ned Beatty reprising his role. Right? Yeah. <laughs> as Lex Luthor's little henchman. Yeah, he was awesome. So yeah, there's some drinking games, all in all, just a really good, fun, terrible movie. I'll go ahead and go with my score. Okay. Uh, plot gets a big fat zero out of a out of twenty. Uh, seriously. Um, acting, yeah, I'll give it a five out of twenty. It's just campy enough to be awesome. I do enjoy his screams. Uh, special effects, oh god, big zero. Um, replay, ten out of twenty. I've seen this a couple times. I will gladly watch this with anyone who wants to watch this with me again. Um, Lanyap, I give it a 10 out of 20 as well. Um, it's that little period in time with the nuclear armaments as they were. And, and it's just so ridiculous. And the more I studied into the movie, the more I wanted to go back and watch it again uh, today. Just to kind of know what I know now. And now I'm going to have to go find that footage and see the other yeah. nuclear man now. So... Uh, all in all, it gets a solid score of 25 out of 100. Sweet. Mine, I'll go with it. Uh, the music, John Williams came back for this movie. Yes. Actually, and added a couple little things, so that's a plus. Absolutely. Despite the fact that they didn't spend money on anything else, they did buy John Williams back, which is sweet. His Superman score is one of the classic movie scores, I think. It's just really good. Really enjoyed. So I give it a plus four for that. I give it a plus four also for the opening scene and the kind of sign of things to come with the the space station and the cosmonauts and like shit doesn't make any sense so that just continues Uh, i was pretty excited about the the rest of the film after i watched how bad that was um lex luther i give a plus five because i love him i think he's great uh not necessarily the comic book villain, because I've never really been into the comics that much, but Gene Hackman's version, for sure. Uh-huh. I, I give it the movie a plus two for the fact that Superman 
found a heart attack victim and then said they were okay, even though they're clearly dead. (laughs) (laughs) And let's see, I give it a minus four for Margot Kidder emulating a corpse. There could have been some better eye candy in this movie. Uh, Oh, sure. Super super sexist to me, but uh, it is what it is. I give it a plus five for after the missile that contains the genetic slop that in a lunchbox that Gene Hackman attached to it uh, to make Nuclear Man. It's a space baby. Uh, sure. A weird flare flies out of the sun, and an embryo covered in an egg sac made of nothing but solar materials. Yeah, space yep. baby. And also that Gene Hackman put two shreds, one black, one gold, of cloth into the box and <laughs> said something about randomly like, oh, a computer will go ahead and synthesize the rest of the fabric necessary to keep our boy clothed or something like that. Oh, and yeah. Amazing. And it happened. It, that's how science works. <laughs> so then, science, yeah, bitches. I gave the fire hydrant that was clearly made out of styrofoam and exploded a plus two. Because um, it's all in <laughs> slow motion, so you really have a good opportunity of seeing how much shit is made out of styrofoam, including the Great Wall of China. Absolutely. Everything explodes in these tiny little white pieces that weren't painted. I gave it a plus five for him hammering Superman into the moon like a cat turd. (laughs) And one of the only negatives besides uh, Margot Kidder I gave to the movie was a negative ten for the woman being alive in space. Because at that point, even my suspension of disbelief just lost it. Through the window. I got it. I'm, I'm with you. Anybody that's ever taken a science class, it's hard to watch that scene and not be just disturbed and confused as to how a bunch of adults <laughs> with millions of dollars could make that happen. <laughs> I would love to hear the justification. Like, that's tell me some shit Kim Jong-il would come up with. That's right. <laughs> that's what he would tell the North Koreans how space is. That's right. That, that, that is space. No, it's not. That is space. I live in space. I was I, born in space. This space, I made internet. Okay, sit down. <laughs> um, and then I give it another plus ten to remove the negatives, because I don't want to give it too many negatives. For Superman taking the moon out of orbit, which is never touched on later, but is going to cause some really serious fucking problems. Oh, yeah. You're, you're in for a world of hurt if that actually happens. If he's removing it out of orbit, yeah. Nuclear missiles are not going to be a problem anymore. In fact, I'm pretty certain the reason Part 5 was never made was because the Earth was fucking dead. That's true. <laughs> Thanks, Superman. Appreciate that, buddy. Um, so, yeah, overall we've got... I got an 18. Woo! You know what? 18's not bad. 18's not bad. Not bad. I would watch it again. Exactly. Sure. I would I would for sure watch it again. What was really funny is that I uh, I kept thinking that the junkyard fight was in this movie. No, it's just It's kind not. of an aside. I'm like, no, that's Part three. Two. And so I had to get that. So if anything, this movie led me to go find the junkyard fight between Clark Kent and Superman, which is also full of styrofoam goodies um, mm-hmm. and telegraph punches. I believe the second punch that Superman throws, uh, Clark Kent has already lifted himself up off the ground. Pretty awesome. Part three, I think, is it's a, it's full thirty minutes longer. If you're looking for absurdity, part three is full of it. I mean, oh yeah, oh. Richard Pryor is a computer hacker. Somehow, like computers are able to control weather. Robots are being made out of people. It's just there's it a bad Superman, a oh. bad who drinks a lot of whiskey. I don't know. It's it's. Great all on its own. So watch them all, I would drunk, suggest. Yeah, Drunk Superman, Pathetic Superman, awesome. As That's they would it. say. Yeah. 
And um, thank you guys for joining us again this week for Movie Bomb Squad. It's been fun. Enjoyed it. Hope to come back next time. I think our idea... I really wanted to have the next show be The Shadow. Oh, yes. And The Phantom. And The Phantom. Zane. Oh, yeah. Both a product of the 90s. Cool. I'm so excited about The Phantom, and that's, that's going to be awesome. It is. Those movies are really great. And I saw them both in theaters. So. Me too. Oh. Yay. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, if you guys want to email us, you can go to moviebombsquad at gmail.com. If you want to keep up with what's going on in the world of bad, shitty cinema, then check us out on the web at www.moviebombsquad.com. And also on Facebook, just look up The Bomb Squad and join our little group. A little band of merry men and women. Absolutely. Now I have absolutely no voice to do. You got the touch, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I, don't, I think we're going to have to bypass that because we do not have the rights for that song. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You got that touch. It's a reference to an older, simpler day. Stan, Stan Bush, guys. If you don't know it, you should. And if you haven't seen Transformers the movie, shame on you. And I'm not talking about the Michael Bay one. I'm talking about the cartoon. Hell yeah. <laughs> so... Peace out, guys. Have a good day, everybody.